This is a podcast about the hardcore community. Made by and for those who live authentic lives and embrace hard truths. We archive the stories of the bands and people who make this lifestyle possible. I'm Josh Lyon. And I'm Greg Benoit. And this is the Hardcore Archive Podcast. All right, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us on another episode of uh, the Hardcore Archive podcast. Um, Last episode, we were in Salt Lake City. So the next stop on the Hardcore Archive summer 2023 tour is uh, Portland, Oregon. Um, Did I say that right, Oregon? Yeah. (laughs) Us East East Coasters like to say Oregon or something like that. And and I know it pisses you natives off. (laughs) It's okay. You should hear people say Nevada. (laughs) Nevada. I don't know which way I say it. So, uh, so uh, without further ado, we have uh, tonight with us Jade Dust, uh, four fifths of the members of Jade Dust. Uh, how are you guys doing? Pretty good. Pretty good about yourself. Thanks. Oh man, I'm good. Um, we're having like a sweltering heat wave over here, so it's it's like pretty wild right now. Um, how are we you guys doing? Uh, <laughs> oh, not yet. No, it's it's still nice and cool. It's been nice, um, nice and nice and springy. So uh, why don't uh, why don't you introduce yourselves and just tell us uh, maybe what instruments you guys play? I'm Chris. I play guitar, rhythm guitar. I'm James. I play drums. And I'm Raul. I play the bass guitar. I'm Rudy. I sing and play guitar. Awesome. Our other guitarist isn't here. His name is Shane. Cool. Well, thanks, Shane. We'll send you good wishes and uh, we'll be sure to talk like a lot of shit about you since you're not here to defend yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we have like most of our listeners are probably from Rochester and uh, we'll, you know, if you're old like me, you'll remember James from Cast Aside. Um, it's pretty wild to see you uh, in, in, in a, I would say like a fairly notable band at this point now on the West Coast. Um, how? Yeah, uh, thank you. Just a quick, just like a quick rundown of how you came to be uh, living in Portland, playing drums in Jade Dust uh, by way of Rochester. Uh, so, yeah, in the late 90s, we remember each other from the hardcore scene where Josh used to book our shows. I was playing in Cast Aside then. And uh, after that, shortly thereafter, I moved to Humboldt County, California for university. And uh, I played in a band, Do Not Resuscitate, out there with Brandon Reeder. And then um, when I finished school, I pretty much was just looking for a place to go and we had toured the West coast and played Portland a number of times and made friends up here. So I knew I had a great music scene and that's really why I moved here, not for work or anything like that. And uh, that was 16 years ago. So yeah, played a little bit since like in those early years, I played with Ryan Geist in a band called Beard Crimes. And then um, about three and a half years ago, Rudy Sauce out playing and just asked if me and Matt, the guitarist, wanted to start a band with him, and he formed it with Chris pretty shortly thereafter. And uh, yeah, that was just before the pandemic kicked that was off. 2019 so. was when, yeah, just before it all went to shit. So we really took solace in this band during the pandemic. You know, kind of just hunkering down and practicing and writing, and that's been the success of this band. I think just being able to focus on writing and not have to. There was that first year or almost two years we didn't play out. So we were just writing. And uh, yeah, it was just nice to be able to focus writing on writing and recording. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, we'll uh, extend my uh, uh, wishes, uh, best wishes to James or to uh, Brandon and uh, Ryan. Um, is Ryan Most definitely living, living the life on the gym class hero residuals? No, no. He got one check for, I think, $1,400 back in 2000 and has never seen anything since. So (laughs) that's how that goes. I mean, they put out bigger albums after he left anyways. But uh, yeah, he has a family now and we all live right down the street from each other. So still living the life for sure. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, So uh, you mentioned Portland and and you guys have kind of a a thriving scene going on there. Um, What's the scene like in Portland? What kind of styles of hardcore are popular right now? I feel like 80s hardcore, like a lot of like, yeah, just like 80s U.S. hardcore is really big right now. There's really good bands like Reek Minds and Alienator and Brain Squeeze. Um, And then there's other bands like Long Knife is probably one of the best and they if you like Poison Idea, you know, you're going to love that band. Um, grip Retirement. Yeah, Grip and Retirement are really good. There's a lot of like, um, 
don't know. There's a lot of really good, like, kind of more like goth bands too, like Nick's Division and like. Uh, we played. Know. We played with Moonkisser recently. They were awesome. Yeah, they they're st- kind of similar style to us, a little more on the melodic end. Yeah, they sound kind of like uh, if you like Rival Schools and um, what's their other? What's the other band besides Rival Schools that Walter did? Uh, Quicksand. They. Yeah, it sounds like quicksand and and um, rival schools meets like hellbender a little sometimes. So, yeah, I don't know if you like that kind of stuff, you're gonna you're gonna like that band. Um, and there's a lot of crust. There's a lot of really good crust bands. DB scene is still alive in Portland. Yeah, but we've got Rigorous Institution, which is definitely one of the best. Somehow I'm I'm not surprised that like DB and crust is popular in in Portland. Um, not to stereotype or anything. um so you guys uh mentioned that um during the pandemic you were writing and recording and that was kind of like a a time where the band crystallized um how have things been going uh more broadly like post pandemic in 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 uh in portland we're talking to a lot of folks around the country and they're saying that their scenes are like going through a renaissance right now because people have all this like pent-up interest and aggression and and uh desire to get out and do live music and, and uh, either performing or, or consuming. I, uh, I would say that things have definitely like picked up. There's definitely a lot of new people, a lot of new faces, a lot of new young faces, a lot of young kids coming out. Um, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people that just kind of figured out punk during the pandemic. And, you know, now they have YouTube and they have TikTok and they're, they can get any kind of music that they want. They, and I think it's kind of awesome. Like, I don't know what will, you know, like, yeah, of course, everybody that's old is going to be like, oh, well, they like they have it easy. And it's like, yeah, that's good. It should be easy. It should be accessible to everyone. And um, yeah, I'm just kind of excited to see what all these like, like seriously, like 12 year olds that are like, yeah, I love Minor Threat and I play drums and I'm like, I'm going to try to start a band with my buddies. And you're just like, hell yeah. Like, I want to hear what that band sounds like. I mean, and you know like i'll i want to see it that's cool yeah one other thing i've noticed uh, and i mentioned this a couple times on the podcast is that um when the pandemic hit there was you know there seems to have been like a number of older guys and i and i and i feel like i'm i'm not uh out of line saying you guys are are you know toward the older end of the spectrum like me um but i noticed there's like a lot of older guys who re-engaged and i would count myself uh, like uh, you know in, in that crowd and then there's been like a lot of older bands that have seemed to have like reunited not just like for like the fest shows but even like more regional and locally popular bands um anything like that going out in uh, pacific northwest you know i would i would have to say uh, at least in our end yeah and like me joining the band was sort of part of that as well um, before the pandemic, I, I used to play a lot in, in South America. Uh, I played in bands um, like Luna Negra, San, and Dumkov down there. But uh, I had been years, I always kept an instrument, but I wasn't as active um, until just before the pandemic. And I started practicing a lot. And I met these guys through the pandemic. And the funny part is like we started rehearsing. And I didn't see this guy's face for a whole year and a half. <laughs> we were wearing masks in yeah. yeah. the rehearsal space because you know uh, it was a tight space and just trying to be uh safe and uh but uh you know that made us really tight as a band and, and it was great there are a lot of old old people that have started new bands um out here uh yeah i think a lot of people just wanted to get back to something like i don't you know like Chris, James, and I, and we hadn't stopped. Like we had bands before Jade Dust and during Jade Dust. Um, but I think just like the pandemic was it was able to the best part about it for bands, I think, was like people could focus on they could focus on writing, like, but like in a way where you're not going to practice to get tight for a show. You're not making a set list that doesn't matter. You're just like, oh hey, let's like finish this song let's get it super tight and then when we were finally able to play shows we we felt really comfortable just like we had been well we had been playing for a long time like a while you know like we started playing in 2019 we we didn't play our first show until about two years into the band being yeah and i really 
really did a lot of <clears throat> just practicing. We did our demo, we did our first record, and then we like played shows and and uh I think it was December of uh 21, right? Yeah, and we so recorded about, Yeah. That was about 2 years after we had started the band, a little less. And I think we recorded our second album before we even Yeah, it was before we Or no. Yeah, it was we recorded our second album before we even played one show. Man, that's so, wild. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was kind of weird, but it was it was definitely cool for us. Yeah, it was a great way to do it. I mean, I feel like it really kind of gave us an edge as far as just practicing a bunch. And I mean, it seems like a lot of bands were were bummed out and didn't want to practice a bunch. And and some people like I, I heard about projects fizzling out during the pandemic and then other people like in, in a si similar situation to us where they were like, well, let's use this as an opportunity to really tighten up and get more creative and, you know, not just go through the rigmarole of, of playing shows and having that uh, be such a big, um, you know, uh, taker of energy. You know, we can really put that energy into, into writing and, and um, making stuff really tight and, and, and just being in the room together, you know? I think it gave us a lot of time to to make the songs where each one of us could work on our own pieces uh, or our own instruments for a longer period of time. There was no rush in, in making the songs. So it was like after a riff was was put together, they would show it to us. Uh, we could like spend some time working on it and then add some things to it and, and, and really work it really well. Yeah, because yeah, like I was uh i was playing guitar at every band practice and then when uh then when we would record i would you know i i wasn't gonna ever sing and play guitar at a show i didn't want to be i didn't i didn't want to do that um and so like we'd record and you know it's like i'd have all my vocals and everything ready before that they'd have all their backups and we'd kind of be ready before going and then then we, like after the second record came out, we got um, we got our friend Max to, or our friend Max recorded our second record in our basement. He recorded Wild Geese and then he had he was he was moving back to the East Coast. So then we got Shane to join and Shane was in other bands like Fell to Low and some other projects that he did in, in Santa Barbara or Ventura. Sorry. And then he just played what I was playing, and then I just sing at shows. Um, yeah, I, I, James, you'll probably remember Eric on Ted, obviously, because you mailed me some some records uh, to share with yeah, him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. but he he and I are in a band, uh, and we we started practicing I think in 2018, and we had like an EP written, and then the pandemic hit, and we were like a couple months away from like recording, um, and so that obviously got put on ice. Um, and then we kind of like retooled the songs and it, you know, really helped us refine them. But we, I think, I think we were a band for like four, maybe even four and a half years before we played our first show, which like, if I'm being honest, all the other bands I've ever been in, I don't, I don't think any of them ever made it to the four year mark. Um, so it really did something, the pandemic really did something funny to, uh, uh the sense of time, I guess. Uh, the other, the other thing that I really liked about the pandemic and what it did to hardcore was, um. Like, obviously, we're doing this podcast on Zoom. I didn't even know Zoom existed until like week two of the, the pandemic. Um, and we've got, you know, members, um, uh, uh, Nate, who was in uh, the Red Death, um, was in Texas at the time. And now he's in South Carolina, Eric's in Syracuse. And then uh, uh, Sean Chud um, is on, on second guitar. My brother's on bass. We're in the Rochester area, but we use like our phones and, you know, voice notes and, and all, all kinds of te digital technology to really make it work and to, you know, be in different cities and have families and stuff. So it really kind of helped in my, my opinion, bring the technology, um, you know, in, into the mix and make that part of, uh, uh being in a band. Um, and I, and I think there's a lot of bands out there like that now, like, um, are you guys into like sect at all? Uh, yeah we've seen them a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they came uh, through here and played before the pandemic for sure. The drummer lived out here near uh yeah like and a bunch of our friends lived at his house oh wild okay i didn't, didn't know that small world then but like they're all in different cities too and they're like you know pulling it off somehow so yeah the um, world Pur the world purge demo turned out really well and i saw that you guys even recorded with doug white again at watchman 
Yeah, um, I've said this before on the podcast, and if I say it enough times, he'll like change, and, and and I'll and I'll regret having mentioned it. But like, he has not adjusted his rates since 1999 when I like went there for the first time. It's still like thirty five dollars an hour. And you um, see, like Brothers Keeper on the calendar next to yours. Yeah, um, as a matter of fact, we um, we went. I mean, we went there because he's he's a legend in in Western New York um, and has recorded just so many notable hardcore and metal bands. Um, but uh, we really liked the most recent chokehold recording, um, and and doesn't matter to me. I'm a drummer, but uh, the guitar players are pretty psyched because we used the same like head, same amp, same amp settings, and everything as as the most recent <laughs> chokehold uh, uh, album. Yeah. So that's one of the benefits nice. of going to a a legend in the recording industry, at least you know on a local level or just for hardcore. Most definitely, um, yeah, that's awesome. So uh, you guys formed. Um, kind of be, before the pandemic and and really hit your stride, um, you know, when everything was locked down. Um, for for our listeners who haven't checked you guys out yet, how would you describe your sound and like what are some of your influences musically? I would consider our sound just like melodic hardcore punk. I don't I don't really know. Is that like that seems about right? I mean technically yeah. I I guess like when you say melodic hardcore punk, there's a lot of different stuff that comes to people's minds, but I would say we're kind of influenced by that, like, you know, late DC revolution summer kind of stuff and bands like Swizz and rain and rain. And yeah, embrace the rights of spring, all those, all those types of bands. Then also like a lot of bass stuff, like all like fuel and, uh, you know subhumans is pretty big for me as an influence you know yeah it, yeah we're pretty i mean we, we all, all like we place. all like a yeah. lot of different stuff and i think that kind of you know shows through to the songwriting where it's like you know i mean i love rush but you know that's not really going to be an influence but it is an inspiration you know and stuff like that so it's um it's fun to to have all the different influences and ha- have it just kind of come together into one thing that um you know, you could call melodic hardcore, you could call it melodic hardcore punk. Um, but I think it's definitely pretty rooted in the in the hardcore punk scene. I mean, we're definitely more on the on the hardcore side, I would say, than the polished side. Um, one of the things I like about uh, um, uh, about the Wild Geese um, uh, record is that it kind of has some some elements to it. And I can't quite put my finger on it that remind me of like Black Flag from like My War Onward um where they like started to get a little more interesting and technical um so i'll throw that's that probably out there levitate me. that's probably the song levitate because that that one definitely like has a black flag feel to it to me just like riff wise i'd say that's fair yeah um so you mentioned uh you guys uh had your your self-titled ep that was that was first right yeah, yeah. Well, the, the demo, demo was first, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you you recently did Wild Geese. Um, but what what I was like impressed with, James, when you mailed uh, uh the 12 inch to me, um, that you guys are on uh Abolition uh records and um is that like a split release between them and Extinction Burst? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they both helped us out with that, which is really nice of them. Both Rudy and Chris know them from Santa Barbara, Goleta area. So they've been uh, in contact with them. And I know that um, they help uh, Extinction Burst helped us out with the demo and the first record. So that was really good. And then they just uh, hooked up with their old friend and uh, helped us out for sure. Yeah. So like I moved to Santa Barbara in 2005. That's where I met Chris. Chris and I played in a bunch of bands together, including Become, which Extinction Burst was going to. They put out a a cassette of a live kcsb recording yeah it was kind of a similar band to jade dust yeah um, but chris played drums and i played guitar jeff capper from manumission and uphill battle and holier than thou he played guitar as well and then our friends denver and joe but um so like we we did that band very similar got it has more of a swizz feel to it if you like and like swizz meets born against kind of yeah the drumming was probably a little more aggressive <laughs> yeah and then um yeah, so we got hooked up with Extinction Burst uh, through those guys because their band Marone was one of our favorites. It's like probably one of the sickest bands from California in the last 10 years. And then we were always trying to get them. I was always trying to get them to come to Portland. I was like, I will come out of show retirement 
to like book this. Um, and so they they did a couple of our bands and then we had the demo, they put it out. Uh, we, Chris used to work with Ebullition. I used to help out Ebullition with like tabling and just always went in there after work like every week and blew my paycheck on records. And so we just, they're been, they've been our friends for a while. Yeah, Ken and Lisa have always been super cool. They, you know, booked a lot of shows back in the day and they had that zine heart attack and like I used to do reviews and, and all that stuff like way back when I first got into, you know, going to shows, going to hardcore shows like post high school, you know, and got got exposed to a lot of really cool stuff uh, through through that. And um, yeah, they were always, always super cool. And I think they were pretty hyped on on this band when it when it came out, when when uh, we ended up moving up here and starting this band. Um, My only uh, connection to Ebullition is uh, buying the Struggle 12 inch off one of the dents at his distro at some show 20 years ago. <laughs> oh man! Um, well, you know, like as I was going to say, like I didn't, I didn't realize they were still active. I guess um, you know, I, I haven't always you know kept up on on as as many things as closely as I probably could have or should have uh, post post having kids. Um, but it was just wild to me to see you know something that was kind of a throwback for me. Um, that I like kind of grouped them with like. Prime of Think and, you know, some of that more like, I, I like think of it as more like activist, activism oriented, hardcore. Um, and they political. did a peace punk band called Visions from out here. And I, I did all the artwork for it. And that was the record, I think, before this. And then they put out like John Henry West discography and a bunch of other like they've, they've kind of always been active. They just definitely slowed down yeah they did. They weren't putting out as many like new bands in the more recent years. And they they still had their distro, you know, so they're distributing a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, you know, DIY hardcore and all that, like all over the place. So they've always kind of like had that going. And then I think the the zine and then the putting out new bands was kind of like up and down. So I don't think they do the zine anymore. Um, it's been quite a while, but yeah. 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 I feel like podcasts have kind of supplanted zines as like, you know, the, the, the way we kind of communicate what's going on in, in hardcore and like, I miss zines and there's, you know, there's still zines out there you can order. Um, but I, I really like all the hardcore podcasts that are out there. Um, you mentioned artwork and I just want to say that on the wild geese, uh, 12 inch, like that artwork is phenomenal. Um, and like the, the logo design is like it, it, it I was like blown away. Like when I opened up that, uh, that package from you, James, I was like, Oh, holy shit. He's like in a real, real, real deal band here. Um, so like, I, uh, Oh, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no I, I'm interested to know more about like how the design of that whole record came together. Cause it looks really slick. So the logo came from Chris originally drew it. I redrew it for the demo and then we sent it to Eric Himlay and I just had seen his art and thought it was really sick. So I hit him up and I said, Hey, and, cause he did our first record going to do our third record that's coming out. And, um, we're just like, I just send him the tracks. I send him the lyrics and say, draw whatever you want, draw whatever you feel like doing. Here's like kind of a rough color palette. I give him zero ideas. I'm just like, Hey, whatever you feel like. And, uh, he did it with the first album. He did it with the second one. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, there's there's definitely themes that he could grab from that. It's got like the wall and like the the geese or the goose and like the guy just like reaching up to the sky. And it's like all of those themes are within the songs. Uh, I think the only suggestion I had was uh, asking if he could draw like I think it's like an agave or no, it's, it's a yucca. There's like a yucca plant on the back and it, it actually looks exactly like the landscape that was like up in the Santa Barbara Hills, like where Chris and I used to hang out. So that's pretty rad, but we just kind of let him run wild and he's, he's brilliant. Yeah. That's always the way to do it. Like don't put too many parameters on the artists because you know, they know what they're doing. And I, I kind of got the sense that that first, uh, the first album was the same artist. And I'm, I like that the third one is going to be done by the same guy. I love it when bands have like consistent art across multiple albums. It makes it kind of feel like they all, I mean, obviously they all come from the same place, but they all like inhabit kind of the same uh, uh, creative universe. Um, yeah. He's got, he creates a vibe. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, we've been really stoked on his art and it seems like he just he he listens to the songs and then he like, you know, puts puts uh puts the songs onto the paper and that really seems appropriate. And with Wild Geese, that that cover and it's it's very into the lyrics of our song Wild Geese and what he did there to represent that song and with the current state of the border and migration in our country it's it has a huge impact and it it is it was really great um so josh has a uh, jumped on and joined us so i just want to introduce josh uh, uh to the guys in jade dust um and and james uh, definitely remembers you and uh in fact, now that I'm thinking about it, James, I've got a, how, how do I do this? I'm like a weatherman here. I've got cast aside right here behind me. Oh, you can't see. Oh, very like nice. Tiny ass, uh, tiny ass. Is that an enterprise hardcore? Is that an enterprise? And is that an enterprise hardcore production or what? Yeah, I think that one is. Um, it was like at, at St. Joe's around the time Josh was like monopolizing all the shows there. Um, how are yeah, you doing, Josh? St. Joe's a lot. Hey, what's up, Josh? Hi, Josh. Oh, you're still muted, man. <laughs> Little Rochester hardcore trivia. That was actually Chris Brown uh, who went on to play in Polar Bear Club. That was one of the first shows that he put on. Oh, very uh, nice. Yeah, if, if you were able to zoom in closely, it says Neural on there somewhere. That was uh, he was yeah. like he he was literally like 12 years old at the time. I forget, What's good I though? He went by that name. Uh, was that with the Chuds or the Disaster or who else is on that? Yeah, the Chuds, uh, Cast Aside. I feel like Delta Force played that one too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Delta Force is on there. And then Arm's Length, of course. And then for some reason, there's Close Call from Boston, which was uh, the drummer from Bane's uh, band before he was... I have that seven inch still. It's great. Oh, I remember that show. That was one of those, like, it happens in every town every couple of months where uh, 25 was booking a show with Close Call and New Rules booking a show with Delta Force and the two shows... Merge. Ended up becoming one, yeah, and that's why Close Call played that more of like a pop punk show or whatever. That's so a lot of bands spinning, spinning off to the side. Sorry, guys, I jumped in in the middle and went on. We're going off on a Rochester tangent now with a not Rochester <laughs> conversation for the most part. So, well, let's just say St. Joe's for the rest was a uh, homeless shelter or a homeless outreach, bit, yeah. like a uh, storefront that uh, we played shows at, and all the proceeds went to the to the organization right do you know more about that it was on south ave yeah oh shit we've got a whole deep dive episode it's like one of our longest episodes it's like two and a half hours long where we in interview andrew stankovich who ran um food not bombs out of the homeless shelter um yeah, yeah. and that yeah go back and check that out um you know all not right. just you guys but the listeners because he really gets into kind of the the deep history of uh, uh, St. Joe's and shows taking place there. And it was, there was like a lot more wild shit going on than I guess I realized at the time. Um, so I wanted to just circle back uh, to Jay Dust, um, uh, since I'm sure you guys would just love to talk about Rochester, which I'm, I, I, I'm guessing three fourths <laughs> of you have never been to. Um, yeah. uh, Rudy's played there, haven't you? I think, uh, no, we played Albany and oh, Buffalo. Bad. I've been to Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> and New York city. Uh, well, Buffalo, <laughs> Buffalo's got like a bigger scene than us so I guess that makes sense everyone would always go to Buffalo or Syracuse and just skip Rochester because we didn't have any bands on victory records at the time yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I wanted to circle back to Jay Dust and kind of ask about some of your lyrics um and I could tell just from the the lyrics uh you know that I was reading in the insert and just this interview that you uh you probably put together some some thoughtful lyrics and that are about you know more than just uh I don't know, breakups or whatever. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like the lyrical themes uh, that show up in Jade Dust songs? Uh, I mean, I guess it starts with, it It starts with like a, a motorcycle accident that I had where I almost died. It left me paralyzed. It messed up the whole like right side of my body. I could, I had walked with a cane for a long time. I had to have a bunch of surgeries. Uh, my right arm is, fully paralyzed um from a spinal cord injury and so i play guitar one-handed i thought that i was never going to play guitar again and i was always kind of bummed out but then i started playing drums in a van i started learning how to play like turning point and verbal assault songs on guitar just sitting on the couch being bummed out and then chris mentioned that he was gonna move up here and so i started showing him riffs but like essentially most of the songs are about 
like they kind of circle back to a lot of things involving that like they involve like you know obviously being paralyzed being severely disabled and then also like a major sense of loss of like losing the ability to use a limb losing the ability to do like a lot of things that you love um you know i guess like seeing how close you can come to just being dead and really trying to take everything that I learned from that and just express it in a way that, I mean, I don't really spell it out for people all the time. You know, it's like, I'm not like, I don't think that you would pick up the record and be like, Oh, this is all about like <laughs> essentially one day that was really fucked up. But a lot of the songs are, um, and just, yeah, it, I, I think that a lot of, a lot of what I write was just like seeing, trying to like, just deal with it, trying to learn how to try to be positive, you know, when you're dealing with chronic pain that is like pretty fucked up and just also dealing with the medical system and trying to like live a full life and also being really grateful like grateful for these guys grateful for my partner and my family and friends and like just grateful for kind of every just just most things and and like i'm not like i'm not like some like posy guy like i i have bad days everybody has bad days and i guess you know for me jade dust is my ability to like it it definitely helps me deal with darkness it definitely helps me deal with dark days and just coping um but then there's also songs about poly like political shit and like you know just it's uh you know dealing with like the border dealing with like just corporations that are just polluting the world and fucking everything up like even when it comes to wildfires you know it's like California and Oregon and Colorado, they're all fucking burning to the ground. And like a lot of those fires are started by like these major corporations, like power companies, like not cutting their lines. Um, and I, I guess it's just like, I see fucked up shit. I feel fucked up shit. And I write lyrics about fucked up shit. And yeah. Well, yeah. And too, and it's, it's, and it's also like, I feel like we write about the full, run of emotions that people have you know it's not just oh we're angry about this or like oh yeah like i broke up with my girlfriend or some dumb stuff like that it's kind of more like universal human themes of like you know the extreme highs and the extreme lows that we all kind of go through as people and going through life and navigating you know the world basically and i feel like that kind of shows through in the lyrics as far as you know having those sort of um like bigger universal themes you know, that people just experience in their life, no matter who they are, you know, and, and in the, in the world and, and in time. Yeah. It would feel weird to write lyrics. Like, like if I was like, if one of the lyrics was like, I'm fucking paralyzed. This shit sucks. Like that would be stupid. Nobody fucking wants that. <laughs> so like, I don't know. It, yeah, it's, uh, you, I'm, I make the songs for like, I write the lyrics for me, but if, if they, feel good for other people or like other people can connect with them that's really awesome um but yeah i don't know right writing about feelings <laughs> emotions yeah we're fucking emo band emotional hardcore i guess every i guess uh i guess that's an accurate description then is so is is jade dust your first band since the accident or you've been is, was that some time ago it's my first band playing guitar and singing in. So I, after my accident, I couldn't play music for a while. Couldn't really do anything, but I, uh, I started playing drums one handed in a band and, um, it was a band called people person with member, like the singer was in this band, please inform the captains, the hijack and former members of Alphonson really long names. I know, but, uh, like those were two of my favorite bands from California. And then, you know, I met him up here at a show and it was just like, I was playing drums with two other people, like another guy that I knew from Santa Barbara and another guy uh, that I knew from just like racing bicycles and stuff. And then 
um yeah i was just i was like i'm gonna play drums in a band does anyone want to play with a one-armed drummer and it was like a hardcore punk band like very political and kind of weird and i felt i felt good with it um and we put out a tape on extinction burst as well but yeah like i think jade dust was my first time being able to like express my new reality and like also kind of the new reality of the world like things are pretty fucked up when you look around and um i don't have any answers but like i'm gonna i'm gonna sing it how i see it (laughs) um so i'm glad you're doing i'm glad you're in a better place and i'm glad you have a creative outlet um for me um you know my my story doesn't is somewhat mirrors yours. Um, you know, I'd done a number of bands, but then kind of stepped back while I, you know, focused on like my career and, and having kids. Um, but um, just before I started World Purge, um, I had like a really bad substance abuse problem um, that kind of stemmed from, you know, untreated PTSD. Um, and when I finally got, got straightened out from, from all that and, and, and got myself into a better place, I like knew I've got to do something creative in order to keep myself in a positive headspace. Um, and so I, I did two things with that. One was World Purge, uh, my band. Um, and then the other was start um, the Instagram account where I would archive old music and flyers from hardcore bands that were around Rochester going back into the 80s. Um, and, uh, so that like, you know, recovery from that, uh, a mental illness and addiction is like part of my story, but, um, that kind of is like a theme that I guess probably runs through all of us. Cause at some point, Josh and I like merged his podcast with my in- Instagram account. Um, and I know Josh was in like a rough spot too, at one point, And that's, you know, what, what got him kind of reengaged with doing things with hardcore and, and being creative. Um, so it's just really really beautiful to hear that um you know hardcore can 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 serve as this outlet and i i absolutely know that like without this podcast without the connections i've made um you know reconnecting with people like you james and meeting new people um through the the instagram account and through world purge i i probably would not be doing nearly as well as i am not that i, I don't have hard days um you know but I, it's uh i think that hardcore since we were little kids, like since we got into this shit, it kept us out of trouble. Like I grew up in a small ass town near Reno and like Lake Tahoe. And like all my friends were fucking up and like dying from drugs and like doing stupid shit, going to jail. And like, we got into hardcore. We got into like, you know, some of us got into straight edge and shit and like stayed out of trouble. But like, I mean, hardcore just in general keeps people fucking engaged it gives you a community like you can learn things like it like more people getting into hardcore like we would have never met like we would have never gotten into like more radical ideas like without hardcore like would have never done food not bombs or any stuff like that like wouldn't have done that from a bowling team no offense to like people bowl but like (laughs) you know it's like it's hardcore it's like even as kids it kept us out of trouble And more so as an adult where I'm just like, hey, I could do all sorts of fucked up shit, but instead I'm going to spend my time writing riffs. I'm going to spend my time writing lyrics and playing with my friends and like going on tour and doing cool shit and like making making stuff that we want to see, making stuff that we want to hear. And, you know, I think everyone listening to this knows that hardcore fucking rules and like it it's kept you it's kept you engaged in so much. And like you talk to your friends that are like, Oh, I don't fucking like hardcore anymore. Oh, I only listen to the fucking shins or something. You know, it's like, it's, it's kind of a bummer. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of cool to like talk to other people. Like I've never met you, but like, I know that you and I probably have a lot in common. And, um, I think that everybody involved in punk and hardcore, like, has that connection and you can you can make friends you can move to a new city like you can you can just fucking exist and like not just waste your time you know yeah my my my, um kind of perspective on it is uh you know when i started to open up more about you know my mental health issues and 
you know, some of the mistakes I made that that led to addiction and some of the traumas I was dealing with and, and how that affected my life negatively and my relationships. Um, it kind of made me, you know, appreciate hardcore more um, because like I got no choice but to be this person and to carry these memories with me and to have these these problems that, you know, I'm working on. Um, and I can't think of any other community that I've found in 40 years um, that is more of a come as you are place than hardcore. Um, I think it's like the ideal place for people who are, uh, you know, who are cut from a different cloth or who just had a fundamentally different experience in life that is going to make it so that the status quo just doesn't serve them or is like toxic to them. Um, hardcore helps you become better too. Like you, you learn that certain things aren't okay. You learn, like, I, I think that, I don't know, like, at least for like, m- like men, you learn how to be a better mm-hmm. man. Hopefully yeah. if you're not, you're fucking up. Um, yeah. Yeah. You healthy, some- healthy, positive outlet. You know what I mean? And I think we've always found that having dabbled you, Josh and myself having dabbled around a straight edge scene in our teens, you know? but then straight debaucherous activities in our twenties and thirties. And now finding a new sobriety and still having a scene that supports us, I think is great. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I was thinking about this when I was brushing my teeth coming down here. I was like, I think I was like, I don't know if James is straight edge or not, but I was like, I feel like the last time I saw him was new year's Eve, 2003, 2004. And and one of my best friends who's recently passed away, D'Lo and I had kind of crashed a bunch of parties that night. And I feel like he broke some rant, like a huge railing on the porch that night and all this shit. I feel like you were at some new year's Eve party. You don't remember that or. Yeah, I was there on. um... Yeah. It was near it was Park Garabek's right? house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, that's right. Yeah. I can't, was it not Field Street, but uh, off Alexander or off Goodman, something like that. But yeah, Goodman. that Goodman, was yeah. Uh, that was right before I left, actually, right before I moved away. So that was yeah. probably the last time I saw you. But yeah, so yeah. it's nice to hear that you found new sobriety. I've done the same thing. But yeah, it's just uh, good feelings. <laughs> well, it's funny. I won't get into the whole story because I told it probably episodes one through seven in detail, but. Um, the accident is, is something that, that hits home for me because Greg touched on it a little bit and, and, and mine was completely my fault. I'm not going to get into the specifics otherwise than to say that I was thrown from a car when I wasn't wearing my seatbelt. And I'm lucky enough that I didn't have any, like, I mean, my back is sore all the times so I broke my back among other injuries, but like, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't have any like long-term injuries or anything, but like the way my girlfriend describes the way she thinks it happened, I'm like, Oh my God, like I car should have landed on top of me basically you know what i mean and to so this that's basically is where this stemmed from because like i had thought about doing this podcast the year before like when i was like like laid up pretty pretty much i was talking to another friend about it and i was like that i don't want to come through like right now and do this shit and then COVID happened the next year and you know so here we are three or four years later 100 some episodes down the line so like james yeah. said and you guys you guys were touching on it's sometimes traumatic things i guess happen and 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 good things come of them i guess you know so like some of the stuff is like straight up about like i got hit by a deer like it jumped into my body and there's like one of the songs is straight up about forgiving the fucking deer because i was (laughs) terrified i know it sounds stupid but i was fucking terrified of deer and like my shop was in the woods there would be deer like staring at me every fucking day like i started getting like really paranoid and and it was like they would be outside my house and like at my exit. And I'm just like, this is fucked up like this. And then I, I just kind of learned. I like with Jade dust, I was actually able to like express forgiveness and I don't, you know, it just, it's, it's weird, but it, it, uh, like, that's what this song lion weight is about. It's about like a fucking deer just chilling and like jumping out at you. <laughs> so yeah i mean that that's like going back to what the lyrics are about it's um it's very yeah it's very direct but it like chris said it's like a universal thing like i don't you know i want them like people can hear them and take them for whatever they want and you know some of some songs are very direct but yeah like most most of the stuff kind of i don't like the word vague but it's like yeah like what chris said universal 
Yeah. So now that like, I know kind of your backstory, I can kind of pick out which songs are probably about the accident and the sense of loss and, and, um, you know, but I could tell that that's like what those were about. And I could easily like project my own experiences onto those and connect with, uh, uh, the lyrics that way. Um, uh, uh, just, just before we segue to the next thing, you know, we've been talking about like hardcore as a community and kind of hardcore going through this Renaissance. And I think part of the reason why, you know, hardcore is getting so much traction and hate five, six is so popular. And there's, you know, bands like turnstile and scowl, like blown up, um, is that like, we all, we, you know, we all did have kind of this like mid-level traumatic experience living through the pandemic and I think there's just like people who are really hungry for a sense of community, a sense of belonging, a sense um, that they can get engaged with other people who feel the same way and maybe affect some kind of change in their reality because of the pandemic. And I'm, you know, I have some concerns about like, you know, hardcore showing up, um, you know, in the mainstream, but at the same time, I'm also like, people really need this. And there's like a lot of broken people who could benefit from, you know, connecting with others through this music and through the you know, like the, the the raw authenticity of it all. Yeah, I think, it, you know, it's like turnstile and all that stuff. It's like, it's like a gateway. Like we all had gateway bands. Like I, I think, what was your first band? Like I fucking, fucking Green I Day? I loved shit? Green Day in seventh grade, uh, yeah, you know? Like, I was a little like tagger, you know, and I was into like R&B and hip hop. And then I heard Green Day and I was like, holy shit. And then I got into skateboarding and, you know, heard Bad Religion and yeah, Pennywise. And yeah, like, religion. Pennywise yeah. was my first <laughs> punk show in Reno, Nevada. And it was like, Dude, I remember, was fucking hooked. Remember when Civ had a music video? That's all it took. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, remember when that song that he's talking about, the Civ music video, was on a Nissan commercial? I mean, it's been in the mainstream, like, but. It's, yeah, it's definitely more prevalent now. It's I think it's good. I, I don't know if it was Ray Capo, but one of the guys from Shelter like posted like a Kit Kat commercial from like the early 90s with <laughs> Shelter in it. And like it's not just like a Shelter song playing. I think there's like footage of Shelter playing in the Kit Kat commercial. I, I don't even know if it was Kit Kat or like <laughs> Snickers or some shit, but. I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of weird. But I guess it's cool now, like way after the fact. I know if I'd like known about it when I was younger, I would have had like a negative opinion about it. Um, that shit's not vegan. <laughs> it might not have been Kit Kats. It might not have been Kit Kats. It might have been like some other shit. I don't know. Like some other have... milk chocolate. <laughs> shouldn't I shouldn't talk shit. I shouldn't talk shit about a, a youth of today. Um, Please don't. <laughs> yeah. Peanut chews. That was a shit people used to get at 7-Eleven that was vegan back in the day. That's probably what it oh, was. Oh, yeah. Some shit like that. Ultimate. I mean, they got mad shit that's vegan now, obviously. But back then, there was like one... I remember everybody would would all have like a pack of those when we'd go to 7-Eleven after a show or whatever. We'd have yeah. friends like like you you'd find those in uh random like budget like <laughs> dollar store. Yeah, budget dollar store. We'd find them at the dollar store and get bags of them because like, oh finally we got some candy we can eat. <laughs> yeah, they've come a long way since uh the mid-90s. <laughs> Cacao nibs. <laughs> so um what are uh can you just give us a rundown of some of like the most notable shows that jade dust has played so far i think chico when we went we did that tour a couple years ago or was it last year last year it's all yeah but uh yeah we played in chico it was really awesome um sacramento was really sick sacramento was a great show yeah sacramento was fucking wild it was like we were definitely old enough to be everyone's dad uh, it was the most wild and the most punk. For we sure. were playing with like <laughs> death metal bands and it was like at a barbecue joint outside. So it was just like barbecue smoke. And then like all these kids like blasting like giant cartoon spliffs. And <laughs> I don't know. It was kind of ridiculous. It was, a, it was a ridiculous party scene. But it yeah. Was <laughs> but, you know, people people were stoked. Like it was um, it was just cool to see young people like wanting to be involved in hardcore um and metal in that case too. and with everything that was going on at that show they bought the vibe was just great there was there was no fights there was nothing like that it was just everybody was just having a good time yeah shout out sacramento yeah <laughs> also we played victorville on that tour and played oh vacancy. yeah and vacancy was like uh, was really that band was emotional set it was really good yeah they were so good and like they have a record out on extinction burst that's like the dudes from extinction burst 
and like their partner or like one of their partners, Kristen, and like uh yeah, vacancy. You gotta yeah, Kavon plays band. Yeah, that band rules. I mean Fullerton playing the Fullerton skate shop was also oh yeah, that was yeah, so sick. Was oh, yeah. Is it the really uh, good. Uh, program, program skate, skate shop? Program. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, we I got really... to see all of our friends and and like surprise vacation, which is uh one of the dudes that does that 185 miles south podcast. Okay, like, yeah. It's it's Ben Merlis's band, and like we've known those dudes forever. And like, yeah, it was really cool to play with them. That band is super sick. Yeah, I really like program skate shop and like what they're all about. And you know, if 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 I had like didn't have so many obligations here, like part of me would want to like take a trip out uh, to California just to like go to a show there because every every all the videos I've seen of shows taking place there are just so wild. And uh, um, I like that it's like in a skateboard shop and everything too. That's that's awesome that you guys played there. I think I saw that on your Instagram, but uh, it kind of slipped my mind. One of the shows. So one of the days from that tour, we did a we did a double set. So we did a we played at UC, UC Santa Barbara on campus, like right near the radio tower that we like, Chris, you did a radio show. Oh, I used to do a radio show called killed by the kids. And it was just like short lived on KCSB. But um, we played on campus right next to the tower. We played an art space at like, what, what didn't we start? We started at like four o'clock in, yeah, like in the afternoon yeah and like all the other bands bailed because one band broke their foot but and then like santa barbara doesn't have any hardcore bands um because everybody moved away to portland or or fucking la and uh yeah so we played a we played a weird set like we played songs that we normally wouldn't play like that song empty tomes on the b-side of wild geese and then like we played that show packed up and then played in oxnard within time and like a bunch the oxnard of other show was really fun yeah that, that shit was, was really one. cool oxnard is cool um crucial thought was really good they just really awesome energetic uh young nardcore band in time is is a uh, they're on like indecision and stuff now they're they're sick they're playing here yeah, tomorrow that was a cool show yeah that record that came out that end time record that came out a couple months ago was really good came out earlier yeah. this year on indecision yo there's a couple bands i want to i want to name drop because i feel like you guys have played with them and i interviewed them both for the podcast last summer they're both west coast bands uh bent blue from san diego oh, yeah Definitely. those guys are super nice yeah we play yeah, yeah, yeah. we like that band. shout out to diego from Colombia. <laughs> no we played with them at uh che cafe too yeah yeah we I did got, two shows with them i got colombian roots too my grandma from bogota so yeah i always oh, tell right. people I'm, I'm, yeah. i got some calm yeah um but then the other one uh uh a buffalo connection uh, i interviewed jeremy smith who's in uh tuning from uh oh, also yeah. california yeah yeah we play with them in oakland yeah oakland yeah yeah i thought you jeremy guys and i got them. to talk jeremy and i got to talk no reason in the last uh no reason show where they played with grade in buffalo were you <laughs> at that yeah yeah nice i don't it think was, i was they at didn't that. know you were there too no i don't think so no no, no. oh he said they didn't know it would be their last show but i think it ended up being <laughs> Grade is a huge influence on Jade Dust for real. Yeah, like no the early reason, stuff. No reason flyer right here, right, right below like Earth Crisis. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh sick. Yeah, classic <laughs> Buffalo band. Shout out to Jeremy Smith. Shout out to oh, Buffalo. Cor- Corvallis fucking rules too. They've got yeah. like, so there's this person that does shows down there that grew up when they were in high school. They were going to shows that Chris and I were doing in Santa Barbara. And then they took everything that they learned from like, you know, ebullition, like heart attack, like, hey, this is what shows should be like. This is like how you make a safe, like cool spot for people. And they took that to the next fucking level. Like they they make like just really rad, diverse bills. They make cool ass flyers. Um, they really help out the bands and make sure like they look out for everyone at the shows. And they yeah, have we played with uh, Sweat from California down yeah, there. Those that are was a friends. super fun show. Yeah, we played two shows with Sweat up here in the or no three in the in the northwest. We did like a kind of a weekend jaunt where we did Corvallis, Portland, and Seattle. And the Corvallis show was definitely like the standout of those three as or, far as the most uh energy and stuff of the crowd there's a band called flexing on. from there everyone should check out flexing because that band is super sick i did a show for them before the pandemic and uh no they, yeah they're awesome it's like peace punk but still a hardcore band and it, i don't know it's really weird it's like uh 
it's got that like life but how to live it vibe if you like that euro stuff that's one thing that i really like about hardcore right now too like you were kind of alluding to it earlier with oh, talking about playing like mixed bills and stuff is is like you just have like so many different bands that all kind of fit under the same umbrella right now and it doesn't really matter like what the sound is because there's definitely like a scene for it right now you know what i mean like i check out a lot of new releases and there's there's like so many different like styles of hardcore that it seems like 20 years ago would have like been separate scenes or whatever and now it kind of seems like everything's merged back together and i i kind of prefer it that way you know like we'll play a we'll play shows with like witness chamber like other beatdown bands and like it's I mean, like a mixed bill show, like, like you'll have kids that are just like, yo, I only listen to Downpressor. And then like, they'll, they'll hear like what we're doing and they're, they're stoked or like, they'll ask questions and we'll be like, yo, check out these other bands. Um, I don't know. I think that hardcore is definitely becoming less and less segregated um, in like uh, the really like just kind of shitty way where it's like so many bands are just like they they like only listen to one type of music like i think that that is uh i think that's ending for a for a big part you know it's less about um being being part of one thing and being like that's like very insular and being part of like the whole community of hardcore I guess kind of going back to you guys, what do you guys, do you guys have any tours coming up or anything? Or I, I, I jumped in the conversation kind of late, but uh, uh, James, uh, I know, James, I know we had talked about getting you guys out here at some point down the road, eventually, hopefully. So we're still crossing our fingers for some Northeast uh, stuff. eventually, yeah, yeah, obviously. Sure. Well, in October, we're trying to do just a long weekend, Thursday through Sunday, you know, maybe Boise, potentially Reno, Spokane. Uh, we want to do Olympia. Um, you know, maybe back to Chico. So we're going to do two weekends and then maybe a small weekend in, uh, in November for those ones we didn't get to hit in October. But yeah, as far as the East Coast goes, we're ready to come out for a week. It's, it's difficult because we need a backline and we need a van. So whether we're sharing with another band or what, but I mean, we're willing to pay for all that stuff, but we got to kind of got to get a hookup of some sort because we can't really travel with all our gear. You know, obviously my snare and my cymbals and guitars, but otherwise we need cabs and drum yeah. shells at the very least. But yeah, I think that'll happen. You know, we're definitely uh, looking to like go from Richmond up to you know rochester and then boston ish uh pittsburgh um we get asked to play a lot of shows out there like people are hitting us up a lot and it, i mean it, it would be really cool like you know we've all played out there 2024 maybe and we'd like it man. hopefully it happens yeah <laughs> hopefully we can hook you up and and see you guys out here because that would be we like how phenomenal. close everything is <laughs> for sure yeah and we'll have a new album out potentially around that time too so i mean we'll be peddling uh wild geese but we'll have gray skies out by next year also so are yeah. you guys sticking with uh extinction burst for the time being or well we you know it's not mixed yet so we really don't know we haven't really shopped it around so we're yeah. gonna kind of see what happens we but got extinction our... burst has helped us out immensely and we're yeah. super thankful for everything they did for us we're going to like right now we're just waiting uh, our friend Jack Shirley uh he's he's going to mix and master it and then you know with pressing plants the way that they are like we don't know one year <laughs> yeah it's like you people tell you one number and you're just like okay cool and then it'll be like 5 months after that you kind of just don't know anymore so maybe we'll just release it like release part of it digitally and i don't know we're in like a weird modern world with like how music is released so like people will put out a tape of their album and like while they wait for the vinyl or like they'll just put it online um you kind of just have to i don't know you just got to do what you got to do yeah it's just like pretty wild there's like fairly successful bands that don't actually have any physical music like physical media on their music um it's it's kind of blows my mind because like the last time I was doing bands, it's like, well, you had to have like a CDR demo or a seven inch or something uh, to get any real traction. But who cares about any of that now? Yeah, I mean, making an LP like making a 12 inch costs pretty much just as much as making a seven inch. And nobody wants to buy seven inches because like I think people just don't want to flip it. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't I don't really buy seven inches anymore. Like if a band is sick. 
and like they have a seven inch i usually am just like kind of bummed i'm like damn it like i kind of wish there was more um just because i like i like that you can read the spine you know i want to i don't want to have to flip through a bin at my own house <laughs> aren't bands doing like 12 inch eps now too like is did i mean you that's guys what do we do i was gonna that's say is that you guys did I, I feel like i feel like other bands did it too i'm, I'm trying to think of I know I can think of I can't think off the top of my head, but I know a few other bands have done that recently too. So I know you guys aren't you the get only a better one. you get a better sound of doing like yeah. 45, 12 inch. And you know, it's like we could have fit everything on one side and like really crammed it in there at 33 and third, but like it uh I don't know, we wanted it to sound good. We wanted, yeah. Yeah, I had the feeling it was I mean, I know somebody who works at record labels and I've talked to him about like pressing plant type stuff like that. And I had the feeling like you just said that it was, it makes more sense sound wise to put it on the, the 12 inch. So it, you know, much better quality. And and like you, like you went back, like you were saying, going back to that, like it's, it's just, it just seems like it's so passe when bands put seven inches out now, you know, it's like, like, like back, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll come back again. I can't remember the last time I grabbed a seven inch yeah. and like put it on. I mean, it's probably last yeah. year. But that's what I said about tapes like 15 years ago too. You know what I mean? So I'm sure in, in 10 or 12 years, some kids will be like, oh, let's, let's, let's bring seven inches back, you know? Hopefully. So. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I like seven inches, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. World Purge is publishing our next, uh, our next songs, just a sheet music. <laughs> nice. Got to do it on a three by five floppy. You guys remember that shit? <laughs> <laughs> or wasn't it like, uh, I don't know, like creation is crucifixion. Didn't it like, release like game boy like an album that was on like a game boy cartridge or something it was something ridiculous like that yeah yeah, yeah. there's, there's a there's just... a local there's a local black metal label right now that does weird shit like that like we wrote in a car to see like some like section hate and some other bands last year and he was telling me about the releases on the way back and he does like legit like floppies and like all like like and he'll press like 20 of them and people actually buy them and i'm like do they work we're gonna you know do I mean? a nintendo like, makes... switch cartridge yeah it was, a, it was the weirdest thing i forget what the, i can't pronounce it anyways and i'm not really trying to promote I'm, i it sounded like all the black metal shit he did was on the up and up but i'm not really trying to you know shout any of that stuff <laughs> you don't out. want to find out just, later just to be on the safe side yeah i could i can't pronounce the name of the label anyways but i'm not trying to you know shout out to that dude because he's a good dude yeah but yeah you never know <laughs> so um so i guess before we wrap things up um do you guys have any uh any any other any other shout outs um uh or anything else uh anything else to add i want to shout out my sister marion who's now working at love hate tattooing so please check it out rochester love hate is still like the best shop in town too so kudos yep, to her that's for sure yeah yeah she lucked out man she's getting real good too oh cool so congratulations to her Oh, she I mean, probably works. Say, uh, oh. She probably works with my my brother's friend Ben because uh, he's at Love yep. Hate now too. Yeah, yep, he's yep. Oh, wild. Okay, all right. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off with our Rochester right. gossip there. <laughs> you guys love Rochester. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just want to shout out people that are like putting in effort to make this shit happen. Like people doing podcasts, people doing zines, people booking shows. Like y'all don't need to do it, and like. I think that it's rad that there are people hyping hardcore and, you know, making, making cool shit, connecting people to bands and like connecting people to other people. So yeah. Shout out to, shout out to hardcore. Shout out to you too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> shout out to Shane who, who uh, yeah. is Red in guitarist. here. Yeah. Shredder Shane. Yeah. Shane Scarmanot. We owe you big time. Oh, that's yeah. the guy we were supposed to talk shit about, and I forgot to. Oops. You know what? It's really hard to find shit to talk about. With that guy. He's like, he's nice. He's he's nice. He rips a guitar. He's like super smart. You can't really fuck with it. Yeah. 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 He's a history teacher, you know? Oh, fuck. Uh, I love history. So good for him, man. All right. He's he's all right now. All right. Well, thank you guys. Um, and it was a, it was a pleasure to have you on. The Hardcore Archive podcast is Josh Lyons and Greg Benoit with creative support from Rob Antonucci. This podcast is a product of the Rochester Hardcore community. Theme song provided by Standfast. Visit Hardcore Archive podcast on Linktree to listen to past episodes. Follow Hardcore Archive podcast and Enterprise Hardcore podcast on Instagram for updates.
If you have an idea for an episode or would like to have your band's music featured during the closing credits, please contact us at hardcorearchivepodcast at gmail.com. Love. Real, real I make my mind for me. I 